You know, God's saying, hey, look, you have a limited opportunity here. Make the best of your opportunity. Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today are our friends Tracy. Good morning. And Karen. Hello. And Eric. Hey. Good morning. Hey, we are now I don't I don't know exactly. I think it'll be after it might even be into the new year before our listeners hear this, but we're moving into just before Thanksgiving. We're moving into Thanksgiving week and uh no, I hope that our our listeners got had a good holiday and uh, time. And um, is Thanksgiving sort of to me? It's always been like the beginnings of the holidays. You know, some people are like, no, let Thanksgiving be Thanksgiving before Christmas. And and uh, but to me, it's all kind of one and the same. I've always seen Thanksgiving as sort of the beginning of of the Christmas season. And uh, you know, just a, a whole time to be thankful and and. Uh, enjoy the the beauties that the holiday brings the holidays i should say brings and and um we actually have some weather that is a little more conducive to thanksgiving this year where we we get a little bit of fall here in colorado this year where in the past usually it's it goes from summer right into winter and uh, not so much this year it's been personally i've been finding it kind of nice but um hey one of us in our numbers right now has uh has something to be thankful for if she would care to to share that um Really? You said she? Who would that be, Matt? Mm. I could have said they, but... uh... Subtlety. (laughs) Well, I have two big things happening. One that just happened and one that's about to happen. Both are giving me a little bit of heartburn. I suppose they're both good as well. I bought a house. Yay. Um, I moved. And I've been living in this house and the bank's been just like apparently trying to like strengthen my patience and resiliency as a human being by testing it at every turn. But we finally did it. We closed. Huzzah. And then and then just in time, because this next week I turn 50. Woo. All right. Was that a boo, Eric, or was that an ooh? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, as a single female who wishes she wasn't single, that's a tough number. <laughs> you used to uh, be the same quality Karen before as before. Right. Exactly. Couldn't get a date then. <laughs> oh, Just aging now. That's Just, not true. Oh. You just got to go <sighs> find some chance. young huh? stud to take you on. That's all. I'm going to edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about being the editor, huh? (laughs) I might leave it in. I mean, everybody knows I'm a horrible human being anyways. (laughs) 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 Oh, but gosh, yeah. On that note, as we're uh, (laughs) moving into our holiday season here, I just, uh, you know, I, 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 even, even, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about some tough times that people are having, and even amongst the group here, so I've been having some tough times, and you know, th- there's always there's always things to look be thankful for if we look for them, and uh, 
it's just a good time of the year to remember that. And this, but even as we're, you know, as our listeners are moving into the new year and, you know, it's always a good time to look at, look for, look for the positive things, even when stuff's falling around, kind of all around you. So that's my prayer for us and for our listeners that uh, we can remain thankful and, and look to the good. So anyway, as we get into our discussion this week of Isaiah chapters 54 through 58, uh, last week we were we finished off with Isaiah 53, which was a really, really, I thought, fascinating discussion of what Isaiah had to say, uh, you know, prophetically about the coming Messiah and what the people of the time should have been looking forward to. They should have been getting some insight into into how uh, God was going to act on their behalf through the Messiah. And uh, Isaiah 53, boy, if you haven't read it yet, go back and read it again, especially, I mean, for us, I mean, we're moving into Christmas season, but um, just uh, great reminders of of who Jesus was and is and was expected to be. But then as we move into Isaiah 54, well, I guess it kind of continues. It starts out continuing on some positive notes to to consider. So talking about people who are generally considered afflicted and he uses the terms, uh, the term barren women. Um, there you go. Okay. What? <laughs> not nothing. Never mind. Really? <laughs> sorry. No, I actually thought that was an interesting reference because he talks <laughs> about barren. Okay. So we're, think about the, you know, the society that this is, right? Like mm-hmm. your value relies on your offspring. You know, mm-hmm. Ab- Abraham and Sarah, Abram, Abram and Sarah, 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 how do you say her? Abraham and Sarah, we'll go with the ones I can pronounce. There you go. And like they struggled because they couldn't have children. You know, mm-hmm. was it her? Was it him? No one knows. You know, he maybe it was her because he produced children with other women. So like his third wife and with um, Hagar. But mm-hmm. like this idea of being able to have a line that follows you was incredibly valuable. And so in these chapters, it makes like this initial reference to barren women. And then later it talks about men who have been castrated eunuchs. Mm-hmm. It talks about that too. So it addresses it. It addressed it both ways. I thought that was really interesting actually about like, like basically God is saying, I'm going to give you reasons to praise and reasons to be grateful, even though you don't have this thing that most humans consider so, so, so valuable. Yeah, that was kind of the way I was seeing it too. Is is well, I guess it's sort of like my, you know, like I was talking about before. Is looking if we look for the things to be thankful for and look for the the, the good things, we can find them. You mm-hmm. know, if, if if you if you're really looking for them, and if you are, uh, if you're looking, especially if you're looking to God for them, you can find them, even even if everything stinks around you, everything else is 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 crummy, because. Um, because God is saying, basically, I mean, my my summary summarization. There we go. Um, is that you can be more blessed than the people who have had the abundance? Uh, you know, what does that mean? Blessing. I mean, we've talked here a lot of times about we. You know, we absolutely don't believe in the uh, prosperity gospel around here. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're not blessed, even if you don't have you know, monetary abundance and, and things like that. I but, think you got uh, on a good point is that it's where you, 
place the emphasis? Is mm -hmm. it on health? Is it on family? Is it, you know, that kind of thing? It's like, you know, not everything has to be monetary, like you're saying, um, mm -hmm. to gauge if you're blessed or not. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think the comparison, the ongoing comparison with God, and this is throughout the Bible, and I think it's tough for we, you know, living here on this planet in its rather wretched state, I think it gets hard to keep in mind, like we're looking for temporal blessings. We're looking for things that we can have and appreciate right now. And sometimes, sometimes the blessings that God is trying to give us are spiritual and in our physical state, it's hard for us to even, like we're so focused on what we need in the physical state or what we wish we had or what was, what's been taken from us or what we're struggling with, that it's hard to reach past that into the spiritual state. And I think some of these, like, I'm going to bless you until you're overflowing, blah, blah, blah. I honestly believe that some of those blessings that he talks about have nothing to do with life here. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I guess from our, you know, we have our little limited perspective and sometimes it's hard for us to think outside of that. We, you know, we, we hope to live into our eighties. Well, you know, I mean, if we're, you know, we know a few people live over a hundred, you know, but we we're like, okay, I'm going to be doing really great if I live into my eighties or nineties, you know, <laughs> in terms of eternity, that's a pittance. I mean, it's, it's not even a pittance. I mean, it's barely a speck. And, you know, the, we if, if we can imagine or try to imagine an eternity of blessings and of the kind of blessings that we'd like to have, um, it it makes it can make our our feelings of of uh, discomfort that we have now seem smaller, I think, and, and give us a little more incentive to hold fast and and uh, just keep moving forward i liked verses two and three and i i i actually looked at the message to kind of get the uh get get a little perspective on it but how how god is saying uh it's like like set your tent stakes but he's like spread them out make them bigger think big you're I've, I've got all kinds of plans for you you know think big have big plans have big ideas don't be afraid to uh, step up and step into these things. I guess it's kind of like, you know, the time when the guy was told, you know, hit the ground and he did it, what, a few times and only got like so much blessing. And God was like, I wanted to give you so much more. I wanted to give you so much more. So it's like, don't be afraid to have big plans and ideas with God because uh, it's kind of what he wants for you. I think, too, it's it's also putting the limits on it. You know, by saying, open it up, be more, you know, broad, open, stretch it out. It's like, go, go beyond what you think is just okay in your mind. You know, have that bold kind of prayer and, you know, things to ask for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I think all of us here and pro you know, probably most of our listeners, all four of them, um, have a pretty, pretty firm belief that God has a plan for us and that he, you know, and that there's, there's sort of like a calling, like in your life, I need you to do this work. 
I'm going to move you here and I'm going to give you these skills and I'm going to do this and do that to line you up to do this work, even though it will remain your choice to agree to do that. Right. And I, and, uh, I saw an interesting thing on social media this week. It said, when God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, and, and I actually really like that because mm -hmm. like I, I look around and I wonder what my purpose is. And I read these, I read these old chap, you know, these chapters about previous nations. And I think about what their calling was and what they were supposed to complete on earth and how furious they made God over and over and over because they're continual like, wait, what? I'm going to go the other way. What? Why am I in trouble? I don't understand. You know, like so blind and so stubborn and, you know, probably me too from an outside perspective. But within my own little life, I feel quite justified in what I do or in the struggles that I have or the things that I'm having trouble believing in or having the courage to take action on, like all of those little human things, right? Mm -hmm. But this one of the one of the biggest things I'm getting out of this chronological read through is is the the continuity, the never changing part of God's plan, no matter what the humans involved are doing. Mm -hmm. And that gives me great comfort and faith when I look at what's happening today and when I look into the future, which, of course, I'm blind to, which is frustrating. <laughs> and, you know, God's got it. He's working. It's going to be a mess here on earth. We know it's going to be a mess. And if we and if we just have the courage, there are untold blessings, whether they're here or later. Don't know that part. So, you know, probably some of each. <laughs> Definitely later. But we may or may not have blessings here. And then just go for it. You mm -hmm. know, can, can you be that brave as a person? Yeah. Yeah. Those, uh, that constant that constant desire for God, like we've been seeing for several weeks now for people to just come back, come back, come back and be, uh, remain close, remain close to God and come back. And, uh, you know, like the right. I say, you talk about how your maker is your husband, but your redeemer is the Holy one of Israel, you know, in a context of, of these Hebrew people where your redeemer was basically usually, you know, we're talking about somebody who was a close relative who sort of essentially could be there to get you out of debt, you know? Um, but in this case, your redeemer is, is, is God. And, and that just was like a, like a, a big, I mean, you know, what kind of debts do we have that we need God to step in and take care of for us? And, but he's, he's there. And that uh, is kind of an amazing thought. You know, God is talking about here is just says I had a moment of anger and I'm, but I'm calling you back. You know, I had to, it's kind of like I had to, I had to step back for a second and, and let you see what, what, what you're doing. But now I'm, I'm calling you back and I, I, I much rather have you over here by me. He, you know, he just keeps talking about how his kindness isn't going to go away. He says he won't remove his covenant of peace. This one I thought was really cool that our, your children will be taught by the Lord. I mean, how awesome is that? We've all got kids. Mm -hmm. We've all sent them off to school. Some of us have kids who are into continuing education now. How awesome if your kids could be taught by God himself. Yeah, that's actually, I know the Latin for that. And yeah. ominous docibilis Dei. And the reason I know that is because that was the um, motto for my alma mater. Hmm. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, just, uh, I mean, think about... 
I think most of us here put our kids into private school. I don't know, Karen, did your kids go to private school or? As long as I could afford it. Yeah. <laughs> when I so, stopped being able to afford it, they went to public school. Yeah. So, I mean, I know not everybody could afford to put their kids into private school. And, and well, my kids didn't stay in private school all the time. You know, they ended up in a public uh, charter school eventually. Yeah, but, that's where mine went. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as parents, we were thinking, we're thinking about our kids' education and what are they going to be taught and how are they going to interact with the people that they're being taught by and, and with. And, and uh, you know, so just the idea that, okay, you know, what, we're, we can just strip all that away and let them be taught directly by, by God or, yeah. you know, as I, I tend to think of as Jesus. I mean, oh, man, I just have this, my notes, I just have in bold letters. Awesome. How awesome would that be? Yeah, and let me just pause and just say that <clears throat> it's easy to think that, well, I could just take my kids and just fork them over to a to a Christian school and they'll take mm. care of it. Or yeah, just I'll just let my spouse take care of that. And I'll just kind of go on with my own way. And even even myself, it's like, well, I, I'll take care of it. I'll do this all. The bottom line is, is that we, we I think we should do what we can and different opportunities and um, levels of. Uh, opportunity are, are available to different people, but everyone has the opportunity to go and be taught by God. Yeah. That's not limited by our circumstances, by our location, by finances, because I know plenty of people who went to private schools and Christian schools who did not avail themselves of the opportunity to be taught by God. Right. And people can absolutely be resistant to the teaching of others. But everyone gets the opportunity to be taught by God. And that, I think, is what we're trying to do in this podcast, is that we are going to this. I mean, it's not like it stops at eighth grade or 12th grade or college. I mean, we all have the opportunity to go to God and say, what what do you have for me? And he's promising here in Isaiah 54, 13, because we're, we're children, right? I mean, each one of us is, I heard yesterday, it was, it was a Thanksgiving thing at a church, and they had people come forward and give thanks for various things. And one one kid, I don't know, eight, nine, came forward and says, I want to thank my mother and my father because without them, I wouldn't be here. Well, yeah, of course you wouldn't without your mother and your father. <laughs> we're, we're all children of, of our parents, and God is saying, look, I, I, I'll teach you. But yeah. this is an opportunity that we can either pursue or decline mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's just a matter of do you want do, do you want it you know do you want it are you going to go seek it out but yeah we all do have that opportunity 17 i think is uh, verse 17 is um mm-hmm. it's is yeah. a and these are i think it's important to keep in mind what karen said earlier is that well, if we read these all as temporal blessings and as like oh this will definitely happen to me versus this is a principle of God's and in the grand scheme of things, because it says no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. Well, we can look through the history of the Christian church and there are plenty of people who did in fact die by the Mm -hmm. sword or in the Colosseum or any number of ways that this isn't a promise of, uh, of victory and that we will never have troubles. Um, and I think that's the key is that there's going to be weapons formed against you. Yeah. 
you yeah. know, don't miss that part because yeah. you're going to come up against adversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, you know, how, where do we think about that? I think that, you know, okay. Could somebody stab me through and I would die today? Yeah. yeah. Could happen. You know, that's, you know, and if it's for my faith, that's called martyrdom. And, you know, that's no, that's no, uh, that's not a new concept to us. But, you know, it's sort of to me, it's like when Jesus said in John three sixteen, anyone who believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, obviously people still die. We believe in Jesus and yeah. we know, we know people who die, you know, but there's a difference. It seems like in G- in Jesus's mind of dying and perishing. Well, just right. like here, can, can a weapon hurt me? Sure. Will it prosper against me? Not if I put it into that other context. That grand scheme of things. Grand scheme, yeah. Yeah, and I think that goes along with that that great text in Matthew that is becoming, to me, more and more relevant as I watch the world ramp up into weirder and weirder stuff. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Yep. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell, right? And so the, the call here... Um, is to is to look away from the human plane where we expect to see results and where we would like to see results and and to keep our eye on the fact that God is God is ultimately here for our ultimate destiny, not so much the thing that we're going through now. Yeah. Like if I was if I was going to take exactly like you're saying, Matt, if I if I was going to take this text literally, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I know lots of people who the the weapons formed against them appear to have prospered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they went down. People mm-hmm. went down. And so and so how do I translate that? If I if I'm going to retain my beliefs, if I believe that the word if, if I believe that the word of God is the word of God and that all of it is God breathed, then how do I translate that? into my faith yeah and it's interesting in a in a society that it it seems to me more and more they put so much value on on our life and and when i mean life i mean like current life you know it's like we're we're good we're going to preserve life at all costs and um we stop you know it's like well where do we put into uh, into that factor our uh quality of life where do we put into that uh, how, you know, our, our moralities of how we're perceived down the road, you know, some, some, is everything all about just keeping your heart beating and your lungs pumping, you know, isn't there more to it than that? And a lot of times lately, it seems like, like a big factor of, of society, they, not so much. They're just more interested in keeping the heart pumping and the, and the lungs going, you know, and, I don't know. It seems to me here, like we're talking about way more than that. Yeah. When we get into Isaiah here, we've got a lot of, if we're not reading things, I don't want to spiritualize everything because we're, as we get to Isaiah 58, which we want to do here, there's some pretty nitty gritty hands-on opportunities for us not to spiritualize away everything. But if we look at these things, we have to, we have to look at them metaphorically. Uh, you know, as we, as we st- skip into Isaiah 55, we're ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it starts with a metaphor. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He, he's not talking about a drinking fountain. 
Okay. Right. It's just like if we're not willing to read this metaphorically, we're we're lost. I couldn't help but think of Jesus with the woman at the well mm-hmm. as we're starting this. And he's saying, look, this this doesn't cost you this kind of uh, spiritual. He's, he's saying um, thirst by wine and milk and basically anything you can drink. And then in two, this was a challenge to me. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And Solomon talked a lot about satisfaction in our life and where that comes from and where it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think this is another reminder to say, you know, what what are we pursuing? Yeah, I was. Uh, See, and I I get, think, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's got me. That had me thinking about Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Those verses about not spending, spending things on you know, wasting your money and stuff. I thought, I bet Dave Ramsey would like this. If you don't know who Dave Ramsey is, he's a guy who's big into getting out of debt and, uh, and, uh, taking charge of your finances from a Christian perspective. But, um, uh, let's see, I saw Karen's hand and I know Tracy wants to say something too. So what were you going to say, Tracy? I was just going to say, you know, in 55, I just looked at, you know, like Eric was saying, the whole metaphor and looking at something higher, but you know, it breaks it down. If you go into eight and nine, it basically says exactly what we're talking about. You know what? You think on such a a small scale. And I think I really clung to these the last few weeks is, you know what? Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. And heavens are higher than the earth. It's like, you know what? We're sometimes we just can't, can't see the picture because where we're at right now. And I think you have to put that faith and that trust in in God because he ultimately knows, you know, um, the big picture. Yeah. So the first few verses here were there are pretty clear indication that we're not talking in literal terms. Like Mm -hmm. in verse two, it's uh, nope. Verse one. So the, the second half of verse one, it says, come buy wine and milk. Okay, so day to day necessities. Right. By mm-hmm. wine and milk without money and without cost, right? These are intangibles. That right there is your description. Like these, this does not mean head down to the local market and pick up what you need for the day. Yeah. So, and, and so from there, once he's established that, he says, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you yeah. will delight in the richest affair, mm-hmm. right? Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Yeah, this is all. This is all not at the local market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> these that, are the deepest needs of your soul. Right. That got me thinking of the Last Supper when Jesus is saying, "Take and eat. This is my body." Right. You know, I mean, if you compare these verses, you could see that Jesus is obviously not talking about, you know taking a hunk out of his shoulder and, and stick it in your mouth uh, where he's, t- he's talking about his teachings, the things that, uh, you know, the way he wants you to live your life and, and make this all a part of you. And he says, come and I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. And that's, you know, he's always saying that, always saying that just come and listen and, and we'll, and we'll collaborate here. Ah, verse eight, we kind of get again. I think we've heard this verse before. We've heard this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Uh, and um, you know, what a what a constant reminder that we need. All you know, don't don't is uh, is uh, just remember that God is 
he's got he's got other ideas maybe than you have. We always think we always think we know what we want, and we always think we know we got a plan. You know, I got a plan, and uh, sometimes God throws a little kink in there and says, "Nope, go over here. Hey, Karen, go to Kentucky." <laughs> right. You know. But I'm gonna want to go anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and with me, it was like, Matt, you're going to be an electrician. And, and you know, I'm sure all of us, Eric, uh, you're going to do you're going to do uh, uh, real estate now. You know, I mean, left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's career number four. So I'm people say, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing next? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and I yeah. have and I have highlighted just lean not on my own understanding. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, we just, we always, we tend to think or we hope and want to have it all together. And, you know, that's something else, you know, we always look around at other people and think, oh boy, they seem to, they've got it all together. I wish, I wish I had it together as much as them. And then you step back and you look at them for a little while and you go, what, you know what? They are just as insecure as me. They just hide it. <laughs> They're just better covering it up. I, I think that, I don't think it's a cop out. To say that just to to lean on God with not a single thought in our fluffy little head for tomorrow. I think we were given intelligence. We were given stewardship of the planet. We're given stewardship of ourselves, our time, our money, our energy, our hearts, our behavior. We're given stewardship of a lot of things. So none of this is a cop out to say, you know, just sit around and, you know, gaze lovingly into the sky and wait for God to come and rescue us. We are supposed to make plans. We are supposed to move forward with our life. We've, we've you know, in um, Ecclesiastes, it talks about, it talks about like a lot of the goals. So if I were to summarize Ecclesiastes, I would say basically comes down to a lot of the goals of mankind are small and pointless in the grand scheme of things, but they are what make up your life. So make sure that you are tuned into God and move forward with your plans, you know? And, and we see that in different places in the Bible, like go ahead and make your plans. Just remember to check with God, yeah. right? And and if he derails your plans and tells you you can't do it, follow, follow him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like the poor Israelites, like, well, we're slaves, we went out of Egypt. Hey, we're out of Egypt, this sucks. Can we go back to Egypt? We had like better <laughs> food there. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's how hard to please humans are. That's us. And I just... To say that, you know, my, you know, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are as are, are higher than our thoughts as the heavens are from the earth. That's a huge amount of space. His perspective is stunning compared to ours. And yeah, I do think we were created to be intelligent. We were created to steward the planet and ourselves and to steward God's work. And, and I think that we should take the initiative and make plans for our lives and try to move ahead with them, but continually check in with God and be open to his leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that the focus on one is not a bail on the other. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He made us with brains. You know, you, w- when we talk about being made in God's image, it's more than just what we look like. It's how we act. It's how we, our ability to reason and think and, and uh, move on those actions, some, you know, beyond instincts, have some, have an ability to carefully consider things. And, uh, but, yeah. but but yeah, be willing to follow God. And yeah. then that check. Go ahead. I was just going to say, along those lines, just just rewind it to verse six just a little bit. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Mm, yes. Call upon him while he is near. 
I think there are a lot of Christians who believe in kind of a an uh, apocalyptic test theology, which is I will face one moment at which I don't know what is in various people's imaginations, but I've had this talk with a number of people <clears throat> that somebody's going to show up at our door with a with a bunch of weapons and say, "Do you deny Jesus?" And we're like, in that one moment, we're faced with the, do we do we pledge allegiance to Jesus or do we not or to one of his commandments or you name it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that's very rare happens. Not so much here. It's a rare thing. I think our opportunities to seek the Lord where he may be found are much more subtle and much more daily and in smaller ways to just choose him every day to build those habits of things, whether they be self-reliance or reliance on God instead of um, imagining that we will rise to this occasion uh, instead of the reality of us probably doing what we've always been doing. <laughs> um, and this is this sounds very Solomon-like here, because Solomon's inspired by God. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's an invitation, and that's to us in the podcast, and it's to our listeners as well, like, this is this is your call. He's calling you to seek him right now. Don't put that off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I'm wondering, too, it's while he can be found. You know, is that the prophetic part of this that, you know, when um, we look in revelations and, and judgment ends, you know, those who are just let him be just still, you know, is it that is it that part where, you know, there may be a time where you may not hear that voice? I think it's because we've made up our minds not to hear it. <clears throat> it's not that he quits calling. I mean, come on, we're, we're reading here through the Old Testament. It's, it's, uh, Karen's got the timeline better than, than we do generally, but it's, it's over the span of decades, decades that God is calling his people to turn around. I mean, verse seven, let him return to the Lord. It's just over and over, come back. I don't think it's so much that God quits calling, as he said, as he will say, it's in Revelation 21, um, says, let, let the wicked be wicked still. Let the evil, it's like, okay, fine, you've, you've made your choice right. over and over and over and over. I'm just going to let you keep doing what you've insisted on doing, and we're going to say, and now we're done. It's not that God says, finally, okay, fine, I won't, I won't allow you to come back to me. It's just the reality that you're not coming back, are you? Okay. I think that, you know, what you were saying, Tracy, about, you know, that time in history, in human history, where it comes down to he who is righteous, let him be righteous, still let him who is filthy remain filthy, all that stuff. And we do know that there's a close of judgment in which every person has made their choice and, and now God will take action. But I, I would say if you bring that down to the individual level, what you end up with is each one of our lives plays out the entire story of the Bible within our lifespan. Yeah. We all are born into slavery. We are all continually called out of it. We yeah. all leave slavery and then look back longingly over our shoulder at the things that were more comfortable, right? Because they didn't cause a cognitive, cognitively dissonant mess in our head. So maybe we could just go back to that instead of doing it the hard way. We all have been promised our own individual promised land of salvation. 
And we all have to struggle to get there. And some of us get to the border of it and peer across and see giants and don't want to go. And we get sent back to circle through and build a little faith. We all live this out. And then we all, within our personal lifespan, reach the point where in for us, as just me, no one else, with nothing but my responsibility resting on my shoulders, if I'm righteous, I'm going to be righteous still. If I'm filthy, I'm going to be filthy still. And I think that I, I'm, I'm getting like these two readings of the Bible as we go through this, and it's standing out to me. And, and, and part of it, yeah, okay, part of it is because the world is on fire and people are ramping up and people, like the circumstances around us are pushing people this way or that way or this way over here. And it's just like, it's so fascinating to me watching the development of human character under pressure, a new pressure right? That none of us have experienced. Maybe other generations have in their own way. This is our version of it, right? And the way that it's pushing people is fascinating to me. And as I watch watch that fit into what that means for their, their trust in God and their trust in man and their trust in this and their trust in that, like all of the things that human reach, humans reach for for comfort are being tested. Humans are being tested. And it is so interesting for me. But I, I really do think that. To, to wrap it up, I really do think that the entire plan of salvation lives itself out in each person's individual lifeline. 100%. 100%. And there's a point, I think, and this is why it's it's a little unique, is that before the end of our life, at some point, God says, okay, now here's the line. That's actually, I referenced, I said, I think it said Revelation 21. It's actually Revelation 22, 11. Let the evildoer do evil still and the filthy be filthy still and the righteous do right and the holy be still be holy, which actually is a little bit of a nod towards where we're going to get here later in Isaiah, because um, what that righteousness is, um, God doesn't leave that for us to guess as to what that is. He helps us understand what it is, is that we have in our lifetime an opportunity to do that. And at the end of our life, um, our opportunity is gone. And, you know, looking forward in Revelation, there's a point I think universally before an individual dies, God says, okay, we're going to call it good. But we have that opportunity in our lifetime to do these things. I 100% agree with Karen. It's not just all about the future and all about, you know, prophetic this and that. It's like we have our own opportunities right here and right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the opportunity to um, study some with um, – um, I think I've mentioned him before, Ivor Myers in California, and mm-hmm. he has something that's just basically what we're saying here is it's he calls it the blueprint and the blueprint in everyone's life throughout the Bible just continuously brings you back to God's plan of salvation and him doing it on an individual level, just like what we're talking about right now. Um, so it is I you know, I totally agree that you we do we have a blueprint to get to. Um, how God is going to work with us continually on a personal level. It's just our choice to to accept it. Well, uh, and, I, and I would take that a step further, Tracy. I would say accept it, sure, but also actively step into it. Like, take part. Oh, I think I think that's part of just the, the whole acceptance is that you have mm-hmm. to you have to buy in, and I I don't think you could do that half heartedly. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're either in or out, you know. But I think too with with what we're studying. You know, are there ebbs and flows to it? Yeah, we see it over, like you're saying, decades and centuries of God repeatedly knocking on the door and saying, you know what, you're my people. 
you know, when are you going to step up? When are you going to make me your priority? And I think that's kind of the key is like, if you're willing to take, take it on, you have to, you have to take it on a hundred percent. I honestly think that's why we were created was to collaborate with God. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the new Testament says that we were created to fulfill God's good works that were created ahead of time for us. Just in case Matt decides to leave this in, Matt just muted himself and didn't almost sneeze. I almost sneezed. I got I got robbed of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no, no. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, but yeah, that uh, that is, I think that is life is collaboration with God. I think that's what Adam and Eve were created for. I think they were intended to work with God and and expand the garden uh, to encompass the whole world. Um, they kind of botched that one, you know, but that doesn't mean that God stopped working with them. And he, you know, every day he wants to work with us. I mean, we're, how's it, you know, we're, we're the temple of God. Well, that means that that we're where God comes to live and, and that, and that's, that's where we meet, you know? And so, so if we're going to live a full life, then we've got to work with God and collaborate with him. And he says to do something to be like, um, okay, hey. And then, and, uh, but like Karen was saying before too, it's like, go ahead and make plans and, and, and step into those things, but be prepared that if God says, I want you to turn left instead of right, then you turn left instead of right. You know? Well, we just read that a few chapters ago, right here in Isaiah, mm-hmm. you'll hear a voice behind you yes. saying, turn this way, go this yeah. way. Yeah. Well, and then on that note, kind of finishing out that chapter, uh, God says that, uh, how does he put it in verse? Basically, he's saying he, he, his his words aren't spoken in any kind of a worthless way. You know, mm-hmm. whatever he says is going to happen, it's going to happen. But um, I like better the way that he had it in there. Um, how do you say Eleven. It? Eleven. Yeah. Uh, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So basically God doesn't, he doesn't just, he doesn't spout off stuff. Just, he's not spouting nonsense. He's not, uh, just talking into a void when he says something, he means it. He's serious about it. Uh, chapter 56 now. Here again, here again is one of those things where I get so surprised by the way the Hebrew people would continue down even into Jesus's time of forgetting that God was not just for them, because this whole chapter is about salvation for Gentiles. And it's about just doing the right thing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just it starts off with. Thus says the Lord, keep justice, do righteousness. A lot of us kind of have this idea that righteousness is like an intellectual thing. Mm. It's like, well, as long as I intellectually agree to this, this, and this, I'm good. But as we go through 56 and and get to 58, especially, there's some, there's some doing involved here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do stuff. And he's like, do these things because my salvation is coming. So obviously we're, you know, we need to be working on these things before he comes and as we're looking you know they're looking at at whatever salvation they were looking for at that time but we're looking like for jesus's return his second coming 
and this is good. This is these are good words for us too. This is how we need to be living now. Do these things. Do these things. Prepare for Jesus's coming because it can't start when he gets here. <laughs> you know, obviously, if uh, you know, it's not like it's not like the kingdom of God begins when Jesus comes to 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 take everybody away. The kingdom is now. The kingdom is how you are. Uh, how you are living, how you are thinking, how are you acting? And so if you have to, you have to be doing things now. And, and you know, I mean, he even goes on and talks about even the foreigners and eunuchs. Somebody was mentioning, oh, Karen, you were mentioning about the eunuchs. Yeah. Um, you know, even these people, if they will follow my word, if they are choosing to please God, and hold fast, that's a term that we've seen a lot of times, and, and Eric has a lot to say about that. Hold fast to God's covenant, they will be included in the salvation. So everybody, anybody who will step into it, who will listen to God and step into it, is included into that salvation promise. Yeah, and it's he expands it again in uh, verse 8. Where the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, Israel's like, yeah, okay, yay. But then it adds this in, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. And I think that was lost on Israel, and sometimes it's lost on us, is that God is, in fact, interested in calling people beyond our circle. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I just wonder, you know, as much as we're as we're reading Isaiah, and it's been a, it's been a long chapter, we've been in it a long time, and it seems like it seems like the book was really important to the Jewish people. How were they not? It's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. How were they not seeing that God was including more than just them? I, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating and baffling to me. That's the gist of the chapter really. Yeah. Is God is saying, Hey, look, I'm not only am I calling you, I'm calling everyone. And, Take it seriously. You know, you have this opportunity. Take it seriously. And then to contrast uh, what we just read in 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. At the very end, last uh, verse in 56, what the people are saying is, come, they say, let me get wine. Let's fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow will be like this day. Great beyond measure. You know, God's saying, hey, look, you have a limited opportunity here. You make the best of your opportunity. And people are saying, no, no, no. Tomorrow will be just like today. It'll be awesome. Let's just let's just go out and party a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think about like when you see like when it gets to be like Oscar time and you see all the celebrities, you know, they're out there flaunting their flaunting. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you see so much. It just seems like there's this so much in, importance put onto uh you know that that portion of society and to what people tend to think of as the good life and you know they they show up in their their fancy cars and their fancy dresses and who are you wearing and you know what are you doing after that and people will look at that and the and it's like this is the it's like the most important day of the year almost you know and and then there's people who want to try to continue that and keep the party going and um there's so much more to life than that so much more and and so when it's like you're talking there in verse 12 it's like uh, you know i see it as they're 
they're drunk now and they're looking for the next time they can get drunk and it's, you know, we're partying and, you know, let's just keep the party going without ever thinking any deeper than that. And, and, uh, they miss out, they're missing out on so much by, by not, by not seeking more. There's so much more to life and so much more than just what's on the surface. And if we're only happy with what, if we're happy with what's on the surface and we don't look any deeper, man, it's like you're missing out on so much. And this is the this is the, the leaders of the people that's being talked about in that end of uh, 56. Um, you know, they're referred to as being like blind watchmen and greedy dogs and shepherds without understanding. And, uh, you know, it's just it's not a it, it's not a flattering it's not a flattering thing for sure. Try try looking for something a little bit more than what's right in front of you, you know, yeah. and, and, and what's shiny <laughs> at the moment. 57 started out interesting and I had to I had to really think and I had to kind of get into some paraphrases to look at it too. We're uh, we're going through all this and we're seeing how the leaders are are not leading very well. And it starts out with how good people die and it seems like nobody notices. People who are doing people who are actually trying to do good things are just sort of being brushed aside by the wayside. And when they're gone, nobody cares. Now it's interesting. It says, but they have—it's like they have peace in their graves. You know, they—they they have been trying to do this, the good thing and struggling. And even though you're not noticing when they're gone, at least their turmoil is over once they're dead. And I—I kind of—I guess maybe that's kind of saying, and the rest of you are still stuck in your. Wheel of calamity. I don't know. Wheel of calamity. Turn, turn, turn. I made that up just now. And, yeah, um, so, I mean, just 57 <laughs> one. If you're not if you're listening, don't have it in front of you. The righteous man perishes and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are taken away while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from calamity. Verse two, he enters into peace. They rest in their beds who walk in their uprightness. So, I think that there are people who God gives rest. He says, you've seen enough. You've kind of, you've, you've had enough here and you can, you can rest now, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we tend to think of our days, whatever days we're in as the most perilous times of all. And whether they are or are not, we are all in days of peril of, of one type or another. And this is God saying, "Hey, look, I'm watching out for everybody, including those who have passed to their rest." Mm-hmm. It's a it's a ver- it's a verse of comfort. Mm-hmm. Well, like you say, sometimes God is like, "Yeah, okay, you've you you've done what you needed to do. You and and you've seen plenty, and I'd really rather kind of like to spare you from what's coming up." Uh, and uh, sometimes He'll let them die, you know. Yeah, and I think this goes to our discussion of Job way back in the beginning. Is that we get ourselves into waters too deep for us when we start second guessing why God allows this or that mm. and or we start blaming God for this or that and what God does versus what God allows is getting into some really really deep water and any of us who have lost well, I dare say all of us who have lost somebody close to us that we feel was premature we are tended to to wonder about this stuff, and I take this as that's God's business, and they they have rest, and we'll see how this unfolds, you know, mm-hmm. at the very end. Yeah, 
And I think yeah. that kind of goes back to what I was saying before, and it's having that trust and faith in God that you can, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to express this enough because I think in the group I'm probably the most raw at this point, but, you know, just not, like Eric said, not questioning God about it. Yeah. That, you know, mm-hmm. that you lean heavily on these, on these verses that say, you know what, he's going to find rest or he's going to find peace or he's going to be removed from the chaos, you know, um, and not trying to put a question mark where God's put a period, Mm -hmm. which is super hard because, you know, you have to rationalize with yourself. And a lot of times it comes back to self to say, you know what, I wish I had, I wish I had that person here, not knowing their journey. Mm -hmm. What's their journey? in that deep water, in that chaos that God said, you don't need to deal with this anymore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, I think it's in self, you want that person here, but you know, you have to put that trust and faith in God. Yeah. There's a text that goes along with this in Psalm 116 um, verses six and seven. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. So I think I agree with what everybody's saying here. I think for some people, it might mean that you're saved from death. And other times it means you're not. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, we don't know. And if we try to sit around, oh, why did God, why did God let this happen? We'll just drive ourselves crazy. And. You know, you see a lot of people like, oh, why did God take them so young? Why? Well, why would God do that? And well, one, we're placing blame on God where I don't think it's deserved because we've explored many times here on the podcast that there are times on this world where things happen simply because it's a sinful world and not not everything has a super deep meaning. But there are those times when God just says it's time for you to take a nap. Yeah. yeah. Remember our yeah. remember our discussions, um, our discussions when we were reading Job, it's like questioning the why, the why, the why, you know, there's this un, there's this great upright man who had had such a successful life and then all this stuff is going wrong. And they spend how many chapters trying to pick apart. Right. And they never once understood what was actually happening. They never once understood it. They're not going to understand it till the end of the world. And yeah. then they'll be like, oh, <laughs> Oops. Mm-hmm. There is an interesting part right here in the middle of 57 uh, about God is basically saying, who are you so afraid of that you don't even remember me? Why Why have you fallen to all these different ways and not done the things I've asked you for you? Why is it that you are, are constantly uh, looking at other places? I mean, we're talking about the God of the universe. And he's like, why have you forgotten me? Who, who in the world are you? so intimidated by that you don't i don't even know if it's intimidation but uh, it's like who's the influence why why are you looking in these other places and he starts going into how he is he is continually he's with those who are humble and repentant and he's not going to remain angry forever and his intentions are always to heal and to lead and to restore now isaiah 58 we get into Isaiah 58 is dealing with religious practices that we think are very, very important. 
and the 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 people at CNN sounds here they got talking about how the people that you know they love to come and they love to study the theology and and they're says they come to me every day and that's interesting with us doing this podcast here because we're you know it's been more of a of a incentive for me to come every day and be looking at theology and i love you know i love to study theology and i love to talk about theology and but then the people are saying but why don't you pay attention to the stuff we're doing specifically they're talking about our fasting why don't you how God, how come, you know, we're here every day and, and we're trying to get to know you better, but how come you don't, how come you're not paying attention to our fasting, to the, to our, uh, to these things that we're trying to do? They just don't understand why this seems to go unnoticed by God. They're not getting, they're not getting the response they want, I suppose, but then God has ideas about what the fasting should be. Yeah. Verses 58 verses one through five are basically them saying, Hey, we did X, Y, Z for you. Mostly it's fasting, as they as they point out here. And it's basically it's doing religion. Um, and they said, why aren't you paying attention to me? And then God answers in six forward. Mm-hmm. He's saying, this is what I wanted from you. It's what I still want from you. And he says, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Uh, is this not to sh- is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless and poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? Uh, and, it, and then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing shall sp- spring up speedily. He's saying you can actually do things here. And this is, I think, one of the things that gets forgotten in the Old Testament. And it's like, ah, we can just skip all that because a bunch of rules and like don't eat bats and stuff. So we'll skip over all that. I'm just going to call it and say, I think it's the devil encouraging us to skip the Old Testament because God is calling us that saying, you know, look, I want you to do the right thing, not do the right, just the right thing theologically, which I think has value because it it it, um, it lets us know who he is. But to do the right thing in a really practical way. I mean, you look at how much time Jesus spent actually just doing practical stuff, feeding people, helping people. The people who are sick get better versus just teaching them. I mean, how many times did he sit down and say, now I've got 28 theological points I'd like to bring up with you. Right now, let's go through them one by one. Mm. Not much, but he did a lot of really practical things, you know, touching the lepers and really, I mean, practical things where he's doing things to make the lives of others better. You know, I think we we touched on this before a few times is where I have here that Israel itself gets hung up on the wrong things. I think uh, it's been a while ago now, but I think he was we also read too. you know, I don't take delights in all your sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Especially if you haven't if it's not internalized, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do or having that relationship with me. That's not going to get it. Just like the fasting, that's not going to get it when you mm-hmm. don't have a relationship with me. Yeah, the, I think that the I think the problem is summarized even bef- in at, right at the beginning of fifty eight, even before we get into a description of what the problem looks like, where it says um, God says, 
Day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its gods, of its God. So it's like, it's that whole teaching as, what is it? How does that go? Like teaching as something, the commandments of men. How does that verse go? Teaching as doctrine, the commandments of men. Doctrine. Yeah. It's, it's like where you've got it all messed up. Like you've got your human goals and you've got your traditions that you feel, feel right to you. They feel like church. They feel like theology. They feel like the heart of religion. And so you're busy. You're, you're getting busy on those and you forget that you've neglected the actual heart of religion, mm-hmm. which is God and love in action. You know, <laughs> makes me think of back way back in high school, way back. And, uh, <laughs> My my science teacher, I never could tell if he actually believed in God. He would occasionally talk about church, but you know we're studying back then. You know we're studying, of course, the theory of evolution and stuff. And I remember one one of the students asked him, "Why do you even go to church?" And he goes, "Because I feel like it's a good thing to do." You know, and um, of course, you know, I mean, he's in a he's in a setting where he's expected to teach us certain things. I don't know what his real true beliefs were on any of that. But but it was just such an interesting answer. So I go because I think it's a good thing to do. I think it's good for me, you know, and, you know, are we going to do we go to church every week to just get entertained and hopefully enjoy the music and have a good sermon? You know, it's funny. The times that I get asked to speak at church, there's always people. What are you going to preach about? What are you going to preach about? And I, I'm reluctant to tell them because I was like, well. You'll find out, but, but it's like, are you, are you just hoping that you're going to find something that really entertains you here or, or, or what, or are you, or are you there to actually worship God to, uh, you know, have it be a real time of fellowship with your fellow believers and, and, and trying to interact and, and not, you're not just there for fun. I've never Although, been part of. I, I will say that Christian camaraderie is important to our. Oh, soul. absolutely! Well, no, yeah. I that, you know it is a it is an important part of it. But um, you know, I always wonder, like the mega churches. I've never been to a big old mega church where it looks like they're in a football stadium or something. You know, and, and I just wondered how, you know, how is that? I wonder how that works uh, for a real heartfelt, mm, valuable experience. Um, I think I think I could uh, comment on that one. Okay. So I we happen to be um, my son's in the Coast Guard, so he was actually stationed in Texas. So we took the opportunity to go to um, Joel Olstein's church in Houston. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I would have to say, when you get past the initial impression of thinking, "Oh, this is a mega church, and this used to be where the Houston Rockets played." Then it becomes what we've been talking about this entire time. Are you going to take that message personally mm-hmm. or are you just there to be there? Yeah. And so I think, are there good people, you know, and I don't think we're even debating this part, but are there good people in mega church? Sure. Right. You know, because they've internalized this, this message that, that God's given us, they've internalized it. I think yeah. it's once again, you know, where do you find God? You can find him anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you seek him out, and you're willing to study, he's willing to provide that restoration. 
And that yeah, I'm not shit. I'm not trying to downplay a mega church oh, no. because I mean I, I, there's obviously a reason people go and they're and they're having a message. You know, it's like I mean think about the old Billy Graham revival things that we'd all watch yeah. as kids, and like Joel Osteen. I went to a Joel Osteen service in Denver one time. I think it was at um, I think it was the old McNichols Arena before it got knocked down and became. Well, no, it wouldn't have been that long ago. Maybe it was Pepsi Center. I don't remember, but it was like I was I you know it was an amazing experience to be in such a large setting of people looking looking for that but yeah not so much but I, I i don't know there's more there's more to it you know i i think maybe i used the wrong word when i said entertained because the very word of entertainment me it, it involves in well involvement it's more than just being amused you know there's the word amusement or there's entertainment amuse is literally i think that's old greek literally means um well muse means to think and if you put the a at the beginning of it, it means to not to think so um we're talking about uh, we're not talking about just going and be having something you know tossed at you that you don't have to even consider you know if you're if you're going to be interactive with it then it becomes enter- entertainment and that's that's there's a value to that and but what we're talking about here as far as what the bible scripture is going it's like they're going just to make themselves feel good mm-hmm. we're, we're just doing the stuff that we think is cool and god's going that it's it's useless it's worthless if all you're doing is making yourself feel feel good about it then then that's not what i'm looking for at all yeah and i think i mean chapter 58 describes their local version of it ours would look different so what god says to them is on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists Mm -hmm. you know so it's a total breakdown it's a total bastardization of what is supposed to be happening Mm -hmm. on every level yep yeah oh yeah it could be you know and I, i think that's the point we were trying to get to with matt is you know it could be on a grand level with the mega church. It could be the small churches, you know, in rural America that have 10 people in them or less. You know, I think once again, it's that personalized experience with, you know, with God, mm-hmm. you know, how are you taking it? Are you going there to be, you know, entertained? Are you going there for, you know, amusement or what have you, or is that legitimately where your heart is to find God? to right. study God, to be closer, to be with other people that believe also. I think that's where it, where it lies. Yeah, I think this has a really practical application. Yes, we seek God, but it will inevitably result in action. You, you can't get away from the book of James. I mean, he just, he, he nails it down on every corner and you can't get out of it, is that if you really truly have this faith and relationship, it will show up in your life in a practical, observable way. And Isaiah 58, I mean, he, he really, God in, in six through, uh, through eight, just gives us some really practical um, way to relieve the sufferings of others. And uh, also in, in 10, you know, Pour out yourself for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light shall rise, and so on. It is it's an opportunity to do things, and that's referenced by Jesus as he's talking about uh, the, the last things in the final judgment is Matthew 25. 
it's an interesting thing in Matthew 25, uh, 34, uh, the king will say to those in his right, come, you who are blessed by the father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Yay. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Oh, wow. That's Isaiah 58. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Wow. Isaiah 58. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Isaiah 58. I was naked and you clothed me. Wow. Isaiah 58. I was sick and you visited me in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous. Here's a really, here's the shocker. 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and clothed you? When did we see you and so and so? And the king says, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So I think in this, God is, Jesus is saying, there will be people who show up who maybe didn't understand the theology of things. But who did my things, and they are the righteous ones. And there's other people go, wait, 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 but, 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 but I did the prophecy. I, I, you know, we can go to First Corinthians um, 13 about the love chapter, where he says, hey, you can prophesy, you can be a martyr, you can do all these other things. If you don't do it in love, mm-hmm. you're basically it's useless to you and it's annoying to everyone else. And yeah. so, both in Matthew 25 and in Isaiah 58. God is inviting us to do some really practical things for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think related to that is, is uh, from, from our um, faith background is, is, is a general under general belief that the commandments that God gave to us uh, and one of the two um, are so relevant. And one mm-hmm. of the two institutions that came out of Eden uh, were marriage and Sabbath, both of which preceded sin and preceded the, the Ten Commandments. And so Isaiah 58, 13 to 14 has been a, a thing that's been mentioned. It's like, oh, look, if you turn your foot back from the Sabbath, you know, from doing your own pleasure, which my Bible has footnotes and says doing your pleasure means basically doing your own business mm-hmm. and call the Sabbath a delight. Uh, if you if you honor it, and so people will say like, look, 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 the Sabbath. You're like you're supposed to not have fun on the Sabbath. That was their <laughs> takeaway from this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it goes to this idea of like, well, we have to have this this great theology, and Sabbath is part of it, which I think it is. But here's the point: the point of the Sabbath is if you in thirteen, there's two ifs. If you honor the Sabbath, if you quit doing your own way, then you shall take delight in the Lord. So the point of this Sabbath thing is not, quote, correct theology. The point of the Sabbath thing is because it will encourage a relationship with God. It says, then you shall take delight in the Lord. Like this thing, observing what he's asked you to do, Adam and Eve, resting with him, deepens your relationship with the Lord. This is a love thing. And it goes straight to when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love God mm-hmm. with all your heart, mind, and soul. And right here, Isaiah is saying, hey, the Sabbath is a thing that allows you to deepen your relationship with God. It's not about correct mathematics and days of the week so much as it is about which 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 matters. God God set it up and he, he called it. He called the Sabbath the Sabbath. He didn't say pick a day. Mm-hmm. Um but the purpose of what he set aside for us to do and observe was so that 
we deepen relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the that's the real point of that is not so much just Sabbath, but it's you know it's using Sabbath as a context for your relationship with God. It's you know whose whose pleasure are you looking for? Yes. Who are you looking to serve? Are you yes. looking to serve yourself or are you looking to serve God? And I think that's the real the real point of it. Yes, it's in the context of Sabbath, and yes, Sabbath is important because. Uh, you know, it's there to establish God as the authority, God as the redeemer, God as the creator. But whose pleasure are you seeking? Not just on Sabbath, yes. but every day of the week, all the time. I, well, you know, the part of that that is really cool is that if you are looking to serve God, then that will be your delight. You will find happiness in it. You will find joy in it. So to what to what you said, I guess the only other thing I can think to add is that part of relationship is understanding the roles in it. Part of relationship means a good relationship means I can count on you to do and be these things in my life and you can count on me to do and be these things in your life. Right. So there's there's a feeling. Right. But there's also roles that we fill. And I think that since like it's it refers right here um if you call the Lord's holy day honorable, right? It was already made holy. That's not us. That's not a thing we do. It's already set aside. And so part of, you know, we've been talking about stepping into God's plan. Part of stepping into God's plan is stepping into his role in the relationship with us, which is our creator, which is what the Sabbath was established as. And I think I think um, for those of for those on a busy planet with lots of things to distract and try to be our God, try to set it set itself up for our immediate worship. I think that continual that weekly check in with the story of creation and God preserving that seventh day as a way to commemorate the creation process is very, very valuable. Absolutely. You won't know unless you try it, you know, but because uh, like you say, Karen, there's so much looking for our for our attention all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, the lawn needs to be mowed. Oh, I need to you know, work on this or that or, you know, work is is stacking up and and it wants you, you know, it wants you to to divert your attention. And God is just saying, hey, I'm over here. Come over here. Come yeah. Spend a little time. Time yeah. with me, and 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 uh, you're gonna like it. You're gonna like if it. You, if you think about Mary and Martha from the New Testament, you know there are times w- when we need to get busy, like Martha, see mm-hmm. the needs around us and provide for them. And there's other times when we need to just go sit at Jesus' feet and be like Mary and be like, "Tell me a story." Yeah, I just want to be here. Yeah, Jesus didn't berate Martha for working. You know, he just said, "Mary's over here doing." This this is the better thing. He's just she's just spending time with me. But um, what, but yeah. what, what but what Martha was doing was important too. Yeah, I, I was a freelance photographer for a couple decades, and there were a lot of opportunities that came up for me on weekends on Sabbath, seventh day, and I would say to clients, "No, thank you. That's not a day that I work." And they say, "It's not a day you work." I'm like, no, that's a day I take off for family and for uh, worship and. You know, I don't I don't do the regular work, just like the commandment says. I'll do that six days a week, but not this day. And there's two there's there's a variety of responses. One of them is like, 
oh, you don't get to work on that day? I said, no, 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 I don't have to work on that day. Right. <laughs> and then when they look at it in that context, they like, oh, almost inevitably will say, man, that must be nice. Like, it is. <laughs> it, yes, is. it is. <laughs> it is actually really amazingly nice. I'm not tempted to go there and tempted to like, well, I could just stack one more thing on the wagon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, nope, I don't have to. And I do it guilt free. It's like, no, God gave me permission. In fact, he asked me to not do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, ah, oh, that's just nice because I don't have to be tempted to to add one more thing to my list of things to do. And it is it does, in fact, result in like verse 14. Then you shall take delight in the Lord. It gives me opportunity to slow down and build relationship, to rebuild myself, to rest, to. The, and it's, I think we've all mentioned in this crazy fast-paced world which i'm not sure if it's ever slow but it's definitely not getting slower um to, to slow down to mm-hmm. to say i don't have to do that i'm i'm going to um, take a break from that and it is an amazing blessing it is not a loss i think we, we we question god like wow man it'd be so much better if i could i don't know what steal something i could be that'd be easier than buying it right it's like no in the long run that's not good for you <laughs> yeah um the Sabbath is not a loss of things. It is. It does, in fact, result in blessing. I've experienced it. And the few times that I haven't, where I have not followed what he's asked me to do, it has been regrettable. And I can look back and say, man, I missed out on an opportunity there. Yep. Give it a, give it a try. It's pretty awesome. Especially, you know, the last the last year of being a business owner, it's like, oh boy, I sure look forward to that day off and 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 that time with God, because it's uh, it's so valuable. It's so valuable that you just you don't want to give it up. You yeah. Just, and people, yeah, like you say, people, oh, you don't get to work, or oh, you're being little legalistic. I'm like, man, you have no idea. You have <laughs> no idea how nice this is. <laughs> how I look forward to it. Yeah, you th- you think I'm doing this just to just to uh, just to keep rules? Mm, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, any uh, any final thoughts for the for the reading? I didn't think we were going to go this long over these chapters. I'm surprised. <laughs> that usually happens to us. It does. Tried yeah. a lot out of that. <laughs> we did. A lot of good stuff. Isaiah, man, I am really enjoying Isaiah. I mean, it's been, we've been in it for a while, but I have been enjoying Isaiah and really, really getting into kind of knowing God's character just that little bit deeper and seeing, seeing that he's just, he's like, come over here. Hey, 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 come over here. No, no, not that way. Come over here. And, uh, uh, boy, if, if, if you come out of Isaiah still thinking that God is, the, the great smiter um you're reading it wrong man you're reading it wrong i keep thinking of the phrase cat herding have you heard of that yeah That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think mythbusters even did an episode on herding cats and they're like yeah you can't <laughs> you can't do it <laughs> funny stuff funny stuff all right well uh next week we will get we will continue with isaiah chapters 59 through 63 uh, we've got uh, we've got just a, just a few weeks left of Isaiah. I think about well, about two weeks left in Isaiah. I think is what we will we'll have. And it goes to sixty six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, we'll do. We'll have. Uh, that'll be about it for Isaiah. But anyway, next week, first cha- uh, chapters 59 through 63. While you are waiting for that, while you are reading ahead for that, that'd be my encouragement. Read chapters 59 through 63. Uh, remember that you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. We would love to have questions and comments from you. Uh, uh, remember that you can look for us on Facebook, where I post the episodes every week. And um, make sure that you share the podcast with your friends, family, and relatives. And subscribe to the podcast so that we can reach you in your feed each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.